Welcome, friends, to the Generations Broadcast. Kevin Swanson, your host with you, Bill Jack from Worldview Academy, with me as well on this edition. And there is a proverb that says that when the righteous fall down before the wicked, it's as a corrupted spring. And boy, we have seen our share of corrupted springs over the last, well, 30, 40, 50, 60 years. Uh, we, we have drawn the distinction between the rhinos, Republicans in name only, and the rights. So there's the rights and the rhinos. The rights are the Republicans identifying as genuine, honest, and true. And then you have the rhinos, who are Republicans in name only. And there seems to be a more of a proliferation of Republicans in name only because, well... The polls indicate that America is moving left on issues like abortion, and those that are non-principled Republicans are saying, hey, wait up, wait for me, wait for me. I am going to compromise at every single point in order to gain more votes. So they stick their finger in the wind to figure out which way the wind is blowing, and they move in that direction. I think that's exactly what happened with Ohio Republican Governor Mike DeWine. He vetoed a bill that would have disallowed puberty blockers for children, would have banned boys pretending to be girls from uh, playing on girls' sports teams in public schools. And now it comes this report. Uh, Federalistpapers.org found out the governor received $40,300 in his campaign from Ohio Children's Hospital Association, OCHA, and a few other hospitals, the president of OCHA, Nick Lashutka, had testified against the Republican bill in the state house, the bill which the Republican governor subsequently vetoed, meaning that he was into this for up to, what, $40,300. Whether or not he did it for the money, I don't know. But one thing for sure, he did not make Republican conservatives and Christians and the state of Ohio very happy over this. It's interesting also that Ohio has gone for Trump two elections in a row. So Trump won Ohio twice uh, with a pretty substantial vote base, 53 to 45-ish. And now Ohio is going pro-abortion. Ohio governor is increasingly head over heels in love with transgenderism, especially for 13-year-old kids. And wow, if there hasn't, if there's a state that would probably best characterize itself as Rhino, the Rhino state of the United States of America, it would have to be Ohio. So we've got a couple things going on here, Bill. One is your top dog Republicans are moving left on abortion and transgenderism. Wouldn't surprise me if Trump would move that direction not too, in order to gain just a few more votes. Well, we'll have to see on that one. I I would uh, I would hope that Trump would not follow the bandwagon on that issue. It's interesting to hear what DeWine said, quote, were I to sign House Bill 68 or were House Bill 68 to become law, Ohio would be saying that the state, that the government knows better what is best for a child than the two people who know that child the best, the parents. So he's couching this in terms of parental parental rights. rights. Parental rights, right, right. Isn't that interesting? Meaning that he's trying to sell it as a conservative issue. Right. uh, Not to... uh, limit you know any kind of transgenderism or homosexuality within his particular state right which again i would take to be counter god's law yeah i would too i would too because government is to support what scripture says the government's come to come alongside the church and and support the church's morality positions and 
it's very clear that that to to surgically mutilate children is evil. And 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 please understand, folks, that the medical industry is under the power and the control of the state anyway, due to the fact that Americans have surrendered the right to make decisions concerning their medical care due to socialism, Obamacare, and so forth. So 60 to 70% of medical care in the state of Ohio is funded by the government anyway. So before he has a right uh, to stand up for parental rights in these areas, he's going to have to defund all social funding for the medical care in the state of Ohio, and he has not done that yet. So this is, again, just a hypocrisy in the ultimate sense. He is a Republican name only. And by the time, you know, conservatives are saying, yeah, we're on board with transgenderism, we're okay with uh, aborting 60-70% of Ohioans conceived uh, in any given year, by the time we're at this point where Republicans or conservatives or Christians are supporting this kind of stuff. I think we're at the end, Bill. I mean, you know, we're looking for the loyal opposition to show up at some point in the state of Ohio or anywhere else. Now, Ohio is key, I believe, for several reasons. One, that's my birth state. Is it? Yeah, Wadsworth, Ohio, mm-hmm. outside of Maslin. You're aware of Maslin, Akron, Canton area? Yeah. My my dad uh, and and mom I met in Maslin area, Canton area. I believe they lived in Canton for a while, and uh, then off to Maslin and uh, Wadsworth, and then they moved west. Well, bottom line is Ohio used to be a red state. It's probably turning reddish blue. What is that? Purple. It's purple. Which means that. America is going the wrong direction. We've said this before, but uh, Ohio in the top 10 to 15 most conservative states in America, first to go to Trump versus Biden. And it seems to me that uh, we may be on the edge of uh, losing the state of Ohio as well. Be back with more in just a moment on the Generations Broadcast. Hello, my friends. For the last 15 years, the Generations team has produced a Christian curriculum specifically for families who want to give their children a God-centered, Bible-saturated, biblical worldview-based education. Our commitment is to restore the Christian faith, generational faith in an age where we are losing faith in this country and almost anywhere around the world where Christian children attend secular schools or use secular curriculum and imbibe secular culture. Now, we're not relying on the pre-Christian Greeks for an educational model here. We're not relying on the post-Christian secularists for the education model either. Our curriculum is based in a biblical worldview. We put hundreds of Bible verses in the history books and integrate the truths into the subjects. We want to glorify God on every page of the science books. We immediately integrate knowledge into life application and natural revelation with special revelation. We keep Christ at the very center of the history books with preparing the world for Jesus and taking the world for Jesus. I believe God is calling this generation in this highly secularized age to a radical change in how they disciple their children. Please check out our program for education of your children and grandchildren at www.generations.org. And we are back. On Generations, this is Kevin Swanson, Bill Jack from Worldview Academy with me as well. And off to London, England, here we find a British rapper uh, known as Nzubi Olesabuka Udizu. He's a British rapper known as Zubi, posted on X last Friday that he thinks the West is absolutely 
expletive, lost, done for, toast. I'll just throw in a few synonyms there. The West is absolutely done for, lost, and toast if it loses Christianity. Explaining this in full would require an entire book, said Uduzu, who boasts 1.1 million ex-followers and has professed to be a Christian. He says, I've thought about it a lot over the years and reached this conclusion. I'm not sure he's read my book, Epoch, The Rise and Fall of the West, <laughs> but he's been thinking about it for a long time, and uh, I wrote a book on it, so maybe that's helpful. I don't know. But Uduzu, evidently, he was uh, born to Nigerian parents, and he says, removing Christianity from Western culture is like removing the foundations of a building, but pridefully expecting it to remain standing forever, all while enemies both inside and outside are trying to knock the building over. Now, here's the way I've expressed it. I'm going to say 15 countries around the world, because I'm trying to explain to nations in Africa, South America, and Asia what is happening, because most of these nations are borrowing from our ruined foundations. They look at our building and they say, now there's the building of Western civilization that uh, demonstrates a very high level of economy and social structure. It must be wonderful. Well, what's happened, I tell them, is that we have built a very large building. We stand inside of the building. We take a very large sledgehammer. And while we're standing in the building, we are taking the sledgehammer to the foundations of the building. And I said, you know, now what happens when you are pounding out the foundations of a building? Another way to look at this is you've got a large wrecking ball and you you position the machine in the building itself. You take the wrecking ball to the foundations of the building. Over time, Bill, what happens? Well, the building comes tumbling down. And I would say it's on top of you. I would say it's not been a, a wrecking ball. It's been termites. Well, that's true. Termites, be, and we've let, allowed the termites to come in. We've made termites our pets. We have made termites something that we treasure, mm-hmm. and we have set them loose on the foundations of Christianity by looking at culture, holding our finger in the wind, and saying, okay, which way is the wind blowing, and how do we respond, rather than holding to truth and to the gospel, to what Jesus said to teach them to observe all that he commanded. And what we do is we have truncated the gospel. And Zuby has said this in a much more crude way, but I, I agree with him. I think that I think uh, we have neutered the gospel of Jesus Christ by well, in, in many ways in the church. Well, the, the way it happened, of course, was through the universities and education. And that, seminaries. That has been the means by which the institutions of politics and uh, economy and everything else has been undermined. And uh, so we've taken a wrecking ball or termites to the foundations of this large edifice that was put together after a thousand years of Western Christianity. But now we're jettisoning the foundations and friends, when the foundations are destroyed, what do the righteous do? Zubi's is is telling us you can't just have culture and moral vacuum. It goes against the laws of nature And here's what's interesting. After drawing 1.7 million views on his entry on X and 28,000 likes, he got a response from Elon Musk, the most wealthy man in the world. And Elon Musk wrote, I think you're probably right. All right. Now, isn't that interesting? Because he was banned. Zuby was banned in 2020 from Twitter. he's He's back on now. He's back on now. And the owner of X... Elon Musk says what? 
He's right. I think you're probably right. Yeah. So here we have an African immigrant commenting on the future of Western civilization. Yes, indeed. The European Gentiles have done everything they possibly can to apostatize from the Christian faith and to destroy the foundations of their civilization that was built upon Christian foundations over a period of a thousand years. Now, the question is, why is an African immigrant, uh, a rapper from London, commenting on the demise of Western civilization while a billionaire from the West is agreeing with him, or at least tentatively agreeing with him? It appears to me that we've got somebody who's basically an apostate. Elon Musk is effectively an apostate from Christianity. When asked recently by Babylon B whether or not he would accept Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and Savior, Musk says he admires the principles that Jesus advocated, such as treating people as you wish to be treated. Things like turn the other cheek are very important to Musk, he says. So he's got some of the, I would say, externals and superficialities of Christianity, but uh, he's not willing to receive the very fundamental building block of all of the Christian faith, and that is jesus christ himself so he refuses to acknowledge jesus christ as savior and lord so i i just think that's interesting bill that you you actually have some people who admit the truth from time to time the truth gets out number one through a nigerian immigrant rapper who speaks the truth about what is happening with the destruction of western civilization and the richest man in the world tentatively agrees with him and i think it's because there are points at which you know, by God's common grace, even these men have a modicum of wisdom. Yeah. Uh, you, you don't get to be on the top by being a total idiot. I have my complaints about Elon Musk. Elon Musk is making a ton of money selling life rafts off the deck of the Titanic, and I think he knows it. He's a bit utopian and dystopian at the same time. He has a great amount of faith in humankind, but... He also begins to see that we may be on a suicidal bent, so he's not sure or not this thing can be salvaged. In the meantime, he's going to make a ton of money off of it. <laughs> That's the way I look at Elon Musk. Yeah. And people look at Zuby in, in the similar way. They, they look at Zuby and they question whether he's a Christian or not, mm-hmm. because he has, he has kind of you know, some mixed views. He, he was raised in a Muslim family. He's an immigrant, but he's, he's come to Christ. He refers to to God as a higher power. He recognizes sin, need for redemption. He stated he doesn't subscribe to any particular religion. Okay, but he's he's open about his faith. He's he's kind of crude at times in his lyrics, and so there's this kind of mixed bag. I I look at it as you know those who have been visited by a degree of common grace they become something of the prophets of the day they become almost like Festus or was it Felix who said almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian they're guys who have something of an ability to comment on the present situation and yet they don't know what to do about it they can't come together with a solution that could possibly restore or revive the Christian faith in the Western world. And you know that's not going to happen outside of a revival within the Christian church itself. So I think this is the the thing that would bother them. How can we possibly restore Christian civilization? Not going to happen by electing a Christian and forcing some kind of a top-down Christian civilization over a nation that has rejected Jesus. 
Right. So we all know that. So what's the solution? I think all of them are grappling with this, at least those who for a moment are honest with what is happening right now, as we see uh, chunks of a building and towers uh, falling all around us, we ask ourselves, what in the world is happening? Is this the dissolution of an entire civilization? What happens when the foundations are destroyed, the buildings start to crumble, and they start to tumble? And that is what we're coming against at this point in human history, in this point in Western history. Read about it in my book, Epoch, the Rise and Fall of the West. And here's how I concluded my world history text, which I just completed last week, Bill. This is the way I completed this uh, 20th and 21st century run through the history of the Christian faith around the world and the history of uh, various civilizations that are at this point starting to tumble. The overall ratio of Christians on earth has flatlined in the 21st century at 32% of the world's population. In other words, we didn't see an increase in Christian adherence between the year 1900 and 2023. It flatlined. For 123 years, whereas for the previous 1900 years, the Christian faith had continued to multiply around the globe from roughly 0.000001% to 32%. It's flatlined since the year 1900. The big story for the century, though, was a worldwide faith trade-off from north and west to south and east. Christian adherence as a percentage of the population in Europe and North America dropped by more than half between 1900 and 2023, from 22% to 10.5%. Okay, So you had a drop-off of the Christian percentage of the population in North America and Europe, from 22% to 10.5%. While the relative percentage of Christians in Asia, Africa, and South America increased from 6% to 22%. The relative share of the Christian population within the two segments of the world had equalized by the year 2023. Meanwhile, Islam had increased its adherent base from 12% to 25% of world population between 1900 and 2023. So as Christianity flatlined at 34, Islam increased by about double from 12% of the world population to 25% of the world population by 2023. And atheists and agnostics increased from 0.2% to 11.1% over the same time frame. The Christian population growth rate hovered around 1.18% per year after 2000, keeping up with the overall world population growth rate, which is 1.18% per year. So nothing really has happened in terms of the increase of Christianity in the world over the last 23 years. Meanwhile, the Islam religion has enjoyed a more accelerated growth rate of 1.87% growth rate between 2000 and 2023. Well, the vine dresser was trimming back the branches of a decrepit faith in Europe and North America. That's what happened. John 15, 1 and 2. My father is the dry vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. And that's why the vine dresser was trimming back the branches of a decrepit faith in Europe and North America between 1900 and 2023. The dried up, dead and dying Eastern churches of Russia, Turkey, and the Middle East were severely clipped back by severe and extensive persecution at the hands of communists and Muslims. The Holy Spirit has shifted direction. Another set of the last would be first. The continents of Africa and Asia maintain the fastest growing Christian churches in the world. Jesus is not done yet building his church. When the ebb of the tide is done, 
and the flow comes rolling back into the shores of this continent and the island nation, future generations will see the truth of Isaiah 9-7 returning again and again until he returns. So as Muslims purchase church properties from the dead and dying Christians in London, Berlin, and Paris for their mosques, the Holy Spirit of God was pouring out his blessings on Asia, Africa, and the Middle East. As the old denominations rooted in the First Reformation shriveled, fresh denominations, receptive of the Holy Spirit, grateful for the grace of God, emerged. These churches were defined by spiritual health, missionary-mindedness, evangelistic fervor, family discipleship, and joyful worship. Usually in tandem with church growth comes the proliferation of more cults and wayward sects, as well as prosperity gospel charlatans. Some may question whether the church could survive in Europe and North America in a virulently post-Christian age. Incredibly, there are small churches teaching the gospel, discipling their children to obey God's laws, still hanging on in Iceland, Sweden, Scotland, England, Canada, America, remnants of true faith. These diminutive churches are often pastored by immigrants from Africa, Asia, and South America. Stalwart believers strive to pass on the faith to their children, despite tyrannical government pressuring to remand each successive generation into their atheist schools of a dying civilization. The post-Christian Antichrist mass media saturated the developed nations with a corrupted zeitgeist, and few churches and families were able to stand against it. Nonetheless, God's people would have to commit themselves to family discipleship and Christian discipleship centers, despite the counter-efforts of the great institutions of the draconian state and mass media. These demonic machinations were nothing but temporary diversions in the divine scheme, and these are sure to fail in the face of that major objective established for all of human history, the true world vision, the greatest commission to be laid upon mankind as ordered by the Lord Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. Jesus came and spoke to them, make disciples of all the nations, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And that is the end of my new book, all the world for Jesus. It's coming out in just a few months from now. So that's the way I wrap it up, Bill. So there's, there's, there's some bad things going on. There's always good things going on. And the Holy Spirit of God is alive and well on planet Earth. You mentioned that uh, Psalm 11.3, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Well, the next verse says, the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord is on his heavenly throne. His eyes are watching closely. They examine the sons of men. That's the Berean Standard Bible version. Mm -hmm. But we, we need to realize that we sometimes sit and wring our hands, you know, and we think the foundations have been destroyed. But God is at work. His Spirit is, is alive and, and moving in, in people in different parts of the world. We may not see it here, but as you pointed out, God's not, not nah. resting. God's not dead, and he's No. Not inanimate. He's working. He's alive. He's got a program that he's working throughout history, and a lot has happened in the last 123 years. Yeah. And most importantly, he's drawing together a church from every tribe and nation. He is in his holy temple, which means he's in his church, and he's making it happen all over the world. Well, grab a copy of Epoch, The Rise and Fall of the West to better understand where we are. We have a final chapter on the what do we do now? How shall we then live? Check out that chapter. I think that's a key chapter to better understand where we are and what we are to do. It's called Epoch, The Rise and Fall of the West, available at Generations.org. This is Kevin Swanson inviting you back again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation. 